Welcome to episode 194 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. We've done with the Toronto Fringe, and as I record this, I have spent a very lazy day recording, and if you were part of the Toronto Fringe or you are part of a Fringe coming up, I hope that you take some time for some self-care, because as I seem to have forgot as I was going through the early days of the Toronto Fringe, self-care is important. So make sure that if you're, whether you're an audience member who's trying to cram in as many shows as you can, or you're a performer who's who's performing and seeing shows and promoting your show, remember take care of yourself but we're not done with fringe yet even though the toronto fringe is over for the next couple of episodes we will turn our attention to the hamilton fringe but before i talk about this week's guest if you like the podcast i hope that you will leave a comment or rating on apple podcast google music or wherever you get your podcasts your ratings and comments help new people find this show or even better if you know someone who you think will like the show tell them about it Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I know told me about them. So if you do tell someone about Stageworthy, let me know about it. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Laura Kiswati. Laura is an actor, dancer, and choreographer and is appearing in Paul Coster's The Promised Land, which premieres as part of the Hamilton Fringe starting July 18th. Actually, what I, let, why don't we start with uh, okay. the show they are doing at the Hamilton Fringe, which is called... The Promised Land. The Promised Land. What, can you tell me a little bit about what The Promised Land is about? Yes. Um, it's a very fun film noir style play mm-hmm. uh, about love and betrayal and deals and film noir kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. And, yeah. and, and who do you play in the, in, in the show? I play Vera. Wait a moment. Yes, that is my character. <laughs> Vera Langutman. And who is Vera Langutman? That's a big name. Vera Langutman is married to Casper, who mm-hmm. never appears because he's away on business. Mm-hmm. And she has a finger in every pie mm-hmm. in town in Chicago. She's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And she's tough. And involved in the running of the Blue Pelican, among other things. Oh, and the Blue Pelican is a nightclub. A nightclub mm-hmm. in Chicago, where half of the play is set. Oh, and ha- where's the other half set? The other half of the play is set in Zionsville, which I don't even know if it's a real town. I mean, it could be. It could be. What? What? Okay, so there's there's like two places that this show is taking place. Yeah, in, 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 a diner in Zionsville. Mm-hmm. And a nightclub in Chicago. Are they completely separate stories? Do they come together? Or is that something that people should wait and see? I think it's fair to say that maybe we'll let people wait and okay, see. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
Um, how long have how long have rehearsals been going on for this, or have they started really? Oh yes, yeah. yes. We actually did read throughs back in I want to say January. Mm. So yeah, we've been at this for a little while. And, I think and I think Paul did, had part of it read at a a sing for your supper mm. uh, that I was at. So it was a cold read sort of thing, and, and I think there was a piece that was in there. I think I may have read it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, I was the guy who ran that ran the diner. Or were you the uh, guy who sits around the diner, Pete? No. No. No, I was the guy who ran the diner. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, like a daughter thing or something. I don't. Remember. Yeah, there's a very, daughter. Very vague. Yeah. Or maybe it was Pete. I don't remember. Yeah, one of my favorite characters is Pete, who is played masterfully by Dave Healy, mm-hmm. who is hilarious. And Pete is like the all-knowing mm-hmm. narrator who's telling us the story. Right, yes. And commenting. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. and having fun nice. with that. Nice. And insulting the playwright. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> um, how did you get involved in the show? I am very fortunate to have worked with Paul before. Mm-hmm. And so he sent me a message and said, hey, would you be interested mm-hmm. in doing this? And I said, yes, if it's working with you. <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had so much fun in the last play we did mm-hmm. together. So much fun. What uh, was the last play that you did together? The State of New York versus Peter Pan. Okay. <laughs> uh, when And when was that? Oh, gosh. When was that? I am so bad with dates. It was, oh, goodness, quite a few years ago. Okay. And was that at a fringe? Or was that a- yeah. Well, we did we did the play in Toronto, mm-hmm. not as part of Fringe, mm-hmm. in the old Bread and Circus oh. before it oh. shut down. Oh, Bread and Circus, yeah. And then we went and did it in the Hamilton Fringe. Okay, okay. Mm. And that was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, so I played Tinkerbell. Okay. Which is just more fun than <clears throat> ever. Yep. yep. Um, I watched the animated uh, movie for research and realized just how nasty mm-hmm. Tinkerbell is. Mm-hmm. And I was finding it funny how many, like, you know, Tinkerbell is this little icon for little girls mm-hmm. all over the place. And she's Horrible. Yeah. Like she repeatedly tries to kill Wendy mm-hmm. and she has no remorse whatsoever. <laughs> None. Like she wishes she'd succeeded. It's the kind of thing that we don't see in, in Disney movies anymore. Like, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, certainly not from someone who's painted as one of the good guys. Yes. She is will. she is kind of considered one of the Disney princesses. They they have her on everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah which is bizarre. If you if you really watch the movie mm-hmm. and see who is Tinkerbell, she's bad. So did you <laughs> did you incorporate her badness into that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Was um, that already there or was that something that you injected? I think it was already there mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it played into because uh, it played into the whole story because that was a story based on Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Like it was a Law and Order takeoff. Sure. Um, with the characters from Peter Pan as the kind of suspects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that made things just so much fun. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so you've had you've had you've done the, the Hamilton Fringe a, a couple of times then a few this times. This is my third, third Hamilton Fringe. Hamilton Fringe. Yeah. And 
It's my third film noir fringe femme fatale. Okay, well, so you have a fringe type. Apparently, and apparently I have a you're the you're type. the you're the fringe femme fatale. <laughs> film noir. Femme. Uh, oh wow. Okay, so you're the 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 fringe film noir femme, femme fatale. fatale. That's a That's... lot of f's in there <laughs> it for is. that. Yeah. yeah. How did you end up in theater? Like, what was your what's your what's your your theater origin story? How did you find your because I know that you you dance. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, where how what was your entry into 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 acting and theater? Um, I always loved both. I mm-hmm. always loved both acting and dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, the one piece that I wasn't so big on was the singing. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. not a strong singer. Um, I had been discouraged from singing. Oh, my. Um, and, and I was very, very nervous about singing. Mm-hmm. And I went to a high school that was all musical theater. Was All the plays were musical oh theater. Oh, my goodness. So that was, like, mm-hmm. sad for me because it meant I was just always in the chorus. Yeah. I, I was never eligible right. for anything beyond the chorus. Right. And one year, they did um, a panto at mm-hmm. Christmas that was not a musical. And so I auditioned for that. And I think the very first thing that I did where I was in a regular play was I was the audience plant. Okay. And I had to stand up in the middle of the play and call out things from the audience. And I was in grade nine or 10. And I was... It was terrifying every single time because you're not on stage Mm -hmm. and you know that you're about to do something that people are not supposed to do. The people on stage are supposed to be talking. The people in the audience aren't. So every time I would have to like get over that extra hump of nerves of like people around me are going to be really annoyed Mm -hmm. when I stand up and start yelling. Yeah. So I think that was my first one. Um, and then the second one that I did, they did a children's show for Christmas. And I think this might have been, I can't remember if this was through the high school I went to or if it was through the local community theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did a show called that was Christmas-based but had Peter Pan as the narrator. Okay. And kind of the lead character pulling the story through. Sure. And so I auditioned and I got the role of Peter Pan, mm-hmm. which was incredibly exciting. And one of my best friends in high school, Tanya Carrier, who is still a very close friend to this day, she was Wendy and we just had the best time. Mm-hmm. And that monologue, there was this opening monologue that I used when I came to Toronto mm-hmm. and I auditioned for Ontario Place Okay, the first summer after my first year in university. And that helped me get my first paying theater gig in Toronto, which mm-hmm. was just this fantastic job at, at Ontario Place. What did you do at Ontario Place? I, I spent two summers mm-hmm. at Ontario Place in the Children's Village. Mm-hmm. And one year we did uh, the Ivy Cottage, mm-hmm. which no one had ever heard of. They were children's books. And we played these dolls. Um, with giant heads, uh, ivy, ivy pickles and ruby buttons. Mm-hmm. And near the end of the season, one of the heads got stolen. 
and all of the dialogue was recorded because, of course, we were in these flat heads. Yes. So when we first, when they first got stolen, we were trying to figure out what to do, and one of the cast members felt very nervous about doing the lines, and we're like, "We've done this show hundreds of times. You know the lines. It's going to feel so silly to be out there lip syncing." But she just wouldn't. Yeah. So we did it lip syncing a couple of times, just like putting our hair in ponytails and putting freckles on yeah. our faces and feeling ridiculous and then she realized after we did that a couple times that yeah this this feels stupider yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this feels more stupid is probably the correct way to say that than if we said our lines so then for the last i don't know couple weeks of the season mm-hmm. we we got to actually speak wow mm-hmm. wow actually probably the last month because <clears throat> i remember uh I remember it was my 21st birthday mm-hmm. or something like that. And for some reason, I I don't know, we went to a photo booth or something, and I had a picture of myself with ponytails and freckles painted mm. on my face, and I was 21. Because I, I was at Ontario Place in Children's Village after theater school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was with the Pokeroo gang. Um, so we would take turns being Pokeroo, one person would be Pokeroo's friend. Yep. Um, and before each show, Mm -hmm. they would load Pokeroo into a, into a golf cart, like Mm -hmm. they got a flatbed and they would drive Pokeroo around to gather the children and bring them over to the, to the children's village stage. And we would do little sketches and, and, uh, 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 before there would be a children's performer that would, they would come on. You were Pokeroo. Sometimes I've been Pokeroo a few times. So I was sometimes Teddy Ruxpin. What? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. we did the Ivy Cottage and we did Teddy Ruxpin mm-hmm. was the other show. I was usually Corey and we had, we did terrible things. We sang, we rapped. We were not, mm-hmm. we yeah. were not rappers that, that terrible children's theater type of rap. Oh yeah. We did the same. We did the same. And then, uh, and then there was the summer we did, uh, Holly Hobby. Yeah, mm-hmm. Holly Hobby and Teddy Ruxpin were one summer, mm-hmm. and the Ivy Cottage was the first summer. Okay. Wow. Which was also where I learned the best cure for hiccups was mm-hmm. the summer we did Holly Hobby. What's the best cure for hiccups? Well, I got the hiccups in the middle of the show, mm-hmm. and I had to sit there as Holly Hobbit's Holly Hobby's friend Janet, who no one's ever heard of because I don't think she exists. Right. Like, I think people have heard of Heather. Yes. But Janet? Yeah. So, and Janet would sit there writing in her journal on the edge of the stage. And I had the kind of hiccups where there's no noise, but there's like this weird interruption. So you're talking is like, dear diary, dear diary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really awkward. So mm-hmm. I ran backstage mm-hmm. when, when it was my exit and I said to the stage manager, I had the hiccups. I don't know what to do. And she's like, okay, quick, grab a glass of water, plug your ears and plug your nose. No, plug your nose. She plugged my ears. Mm-hmm. Turn upside down. Drink the water from the opposite side of the glass, mm-hmm. blowing out as much air as you can. Uh-huh. And you feel like you're going to drown. Mm-hmm. And then your hiccups are gone. And it works every time. Well, all right then. So there you go. All right, thank you. Yeah. You heard it here. Um. <laughs> the other thing in high school was I did get involved with the local community mm-hmm. theater. So I did get, I did more children's theater, mm-hmm. Snow White. I played yeah. Snow White. 
And then I was lucky enough to get into a production of Noises Off, mm-hmm. the fantastic farce, mm-hmm. as Brooke, mm-hmm. and just had the best time. So that was my first nice. really big on stage, yeah. in a play, and it was just amazing. Do you remember what it was originally that, that, that drew you to it, that made you want to do it? I don't. Mm. I just have this feeling that mm-hmm. I always knew mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I always yeah. wanted to be an actor yeah. or a dancer, mm-hmm. but that was just always there. Right. And it wasn't like I was always the kid who was like corralling everybody to put on plays mm-hmm. in the yard. I, I wasn't, I was normally reading mm-hmm. or playing yeah. or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't recall doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Going to ballet class. Was ballet your idea or was ballet your, like, was that something that you wanted to do or did that you, did you sort of get um, railroaded into that? It's funny because as you said that, I thought, why did I, whose idea was it? Now I remember, apparently as a kid, I had weak ankles. So the doctor recommended oh. that I take ballet well. to strengthen my ankles. Hmm. And I had no issue with it. I loved it. So I was more than happy to be there. Weak ankles. Yes. I had no idea that was a thing. Apparently it's a thing Apparently when you're thing. four. <laughs> All right, then. Things things you you don't know. Yeah. So that you can have weak, weak ankles. Yeah. Mm. And then I came to Toronto. Yeah. Did you go to theater school or did you skip theater school and just come to Toronto and, and start working? I came to Toronto and went to York for dance. Mm-hmm. So I studied, uh, I got my MFA mm-hmm. from York in mm-hmm. dance performance with a minor in psychology. Okay. And you couldn't do what I wanted to do, which was study both theater and dance. And mm. so, like, when you think of, like, a musical theater program somewhere, yes. but that's musical theater. <clears throat> and I just wanted to study dance and study theater. Right. So I studied what theater I could, mm-hmm. and then in the summers, I would do theater and right. take classes, mm-hmm. and I got involved at the Blur Village Playhouse. Mm-hmm. There was this this wonderful man named Donald H. Ford who ran the Blur Village Playhouse in the summers, mm-hmm. and he was this incredible old-school director with a mustache that twirled up at the ends and eyebrows that twirled oh, up at the ends, okay. both having been waxed and twirled. Whoa, okay. And, wow. Yeah, and he was a character. He was incredibly old school, mm-hmm. and he would put on three plays a summer. We would rehearse while the previous one was on mm-hmm. stage, and then we would run for five weeks, mm-hmm. five nights a week, mm. and often to... Hardly any audience, <laughs> but it was amazing to have that experience of right. such a long run. Yes. Yeah. So I did a number of shows there in the summers. I started, I walked in, I saw the theater. I was living in Bloor West Village my mm-hmm. first summer and I walked down to Bloor Street and I saw, so I walked in, I'm like, hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they let me ASM mm-hmm. a show and then they cast me in the next one. Hmm. So that was hmm. kind of how they did it. Yeah. And then I just, I kept doing shows there and got mm. to do some really great parts there, which yeah. was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So at, at the time that you were, I guess, does York now, do you know if they now let you do both or is it still a very streamed? I think it's still very streamed. Yeah. It's very, it's difficult to combine the two. Sure. And I, I can, I can appreciate that. And I still think it would be useful sure. to have more of each available to the other. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know like when I was in theater school, we had some dance classes, but that's certainly not, not equivalent. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, so you were you got the 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 dance bug when you were put in 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 ballet to strengthen your ankles, mm-hmm. but you obviously you loved it. And did you take other kinds of dance, or did you when you were younger? As I grew up, I started taking other kinds mm-hmm. of dance. So I took yeah. ballet, I think, exclusively till I was about twelve, and mm-hmm. then I quit. <laughs> Much to my mother's chagrin. Why did you quit? My dance teacher was not very nice. Oh, okay. So, you know, and I didn't realize that apparently she was encouraging me. Um, but the old school dance teacher way of encouraging is to mostly criticize. Yes, yeah. And so it was like, okay, that's really... It's not fun when you're 12. No. So, yeah. So I quit dance and girl guides the same mm. year. And my mom was pretty mad at me about that. She's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm like... Without without dance or girl guides? Fall into... Who knows? Who knows? Who start, knows? start hanging out with hoodlums or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I later studied jazz mm-hmm. and really enjoyed jazz classes. Okay. And then I went back to ballet. Mm-hmm. And then the high school that I went to had dance as well. Mm-hmm. So... We had dance classes there. And then sometimes in the summer, I would go and take an intensive downtown yeah. at the, I think it was called the School of Dance. They're always so, you know, um, creatively named. Yes, the School dance of schools, Dance. The yes. School of Dance. Yes. Well, um, I wonder what they do there. Yes, it's always hmm. hard to know. Yeah. Always hard to know. Very mysterious. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, go in the summer and mm-hmm. with... My friend Tanya, I remember one year, we were in different classes, but we would leave each other notes in our lockers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like a teenage thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you got to Toronto after mm-hmm. York, um, what was what was your path to now? And you do voiceover now and things like that. So how did you get from there to here? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. <laughs> how did I get from there to here? It's been a very... Long and winding road. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it really has been um, a lot of meandering because mm-hmm. I liked both. Mm-hmm. And so how do you do both? Mm-hmm. So continuing to do theater in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I got involved in a few different plays. Um, well, and even sometimes during the year, because mm-hmm. I know there was one play that was fascinating that I got involved in while I was at York mm. called My Lost Ones by Talia Klein. Mm. And it was exploring the Holocaust mm-hmm. and survivors. Yeah. And I, and she cast not according to gender. And we, I think many of us played multiple roles. Yeah. And so I played... I portrayed a man named Rudy Verba who has written a novel about his escape, his time in Auschwitz mm. and his escape. And it's, it's literally called Escape from Auschwitz. And it's mm. an incredible novel mm. of what he did mm-hmm. to survive and escape. And so to portray him 
was very interesting. Yeah. And the rehearsal process for that was just unbelievably draining for mm. all of us and very educational. We all learned a lot. Yeah. Um, and then he later came to York to speak. So I got to see him speak. Oh, wow. And I actually mm. met him and spoke to him. Wow. And that was amazing because I said, I hope you won't be insulted <laughs> to learn that I played you in a play. And he mm-hmm. was not at all insulted. Mm-hmm. He was very, very kind yeah. and warm. But nice. it, was, it was kind of amazing for that to happen. Yeah. Um, things you never anticipate. No, no. Um, so how did you, how did you start doing voice work? How did I start doing voice work? Well, I think... I think it happened with my, I had an agent named June Cassie mm-hmm. and she just sent me out for some things mm. and, and I booked them. One was a really fun gig doing voices for apps for little kids, sure. educational mm-hmm. apps. Mm-hmm. So that, those were called tickle tap apps. And so we did a bunch of those and then we did a bunch more, and then they partnered with National Geographic. Mm, nice. And so we did some for National Geographic. That was when I discovered the animal that I mispronounce. What is the animal that you mispronounce? So, because fun- you realize, and now that you've said it, I have to ask you about I, it. I obviously, know. yes, yes. Um, well, the funny thing was, they had said that. Don't worry, we'll provide a pronunciation guide on the day mm-hmm. if you need it. And I, and I had written back in the email, oh, yes, because I always forget how to say squirrel. You know, I was joking. Yes. And there were animals. There was a nudibranch and a dugong. Okay, yes. These are both sea creatures mm-hmm. that I'd never heard of. No, of course. Dugongs are like um, manatees, mm-hmm. but not quite. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But the one that they caught and had to correct me on was raccoon. Oh. Yes. Well, well, what did you say? I I used to say raccoon. Raccoon. Oh. I didn't properly you fully properly enunciate f- the no. raccoon. No. And if you're making an app for small children no, who are going to listen to, say, to this. You have to say raccoon. Yeah. Raccoon. Yeah. Because they will mimic you and yes. you will be the... The death reason. of the English language. The, the <laughs> cause of the death of the English language. Yes, which is a terrible thing. Terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I I got lucky mm-hmm. in terms of being sent out and, and booking some things mm-hmm. early on. And then there were a bunch of commercials for Mr. Sub that were really fantastically fun. Mm-hmm. Where it asked for... Um, 1950s just fell off the back of the turnip truck kind of sound. Okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. Mm, yeah. And and so that was a lot of fun because it was just a really... And, and I remember working with the other performers when I remember him because I, I see him all the time still at auditions and things, Luke Marty, mm-hmm. who's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, so he played my... My husband in a couple, my love interest in a couple. There were all these different stories that they were following. Mm-hmm. And he he was so fantastic. And then there was this other man whose name I don't remember, unfortunately. And he was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And he played, you know, the 
the psychiatrist that we went to see because of the submarine sandwich problems we were having in our marriage <laughs> and stuff like that. But he just was able to nail mm-hmm. the timing. Yes. And so it was fascinating to see that and the way the director worked with us. Mm-hmm. And it was also fun that it, there were the three of us there. Sure, yeah. So, and and this, I think, all came after I had studied at Second City. Right. So I'd been taking classes, taking improv, mm. took every class I could there. And so I was really enjoying mm-hmm. comedy and, nice. and playing around with voices and characters. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that was kind of, I think, almost my theater school. Yeah. How long were you doing? Did you do the, the, the Second City courses? I would say at least two years, okay. if not three. Mm. Um, I went through the whole conservatory. Right. Yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I went through, before that, mm-hmm. a number of levels, and then the conservatory, which was six levels. And then when I finished the conservatory, I took some other courses mm. with some other teachers, and I took writing with Jerry Schaefer, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun, and just whatever courses I could take. Right. And I think that really, I learned a ton there. Kevin Frank was my first teacher mm-hmm. and he now runs the second city training oh, school wow. mm. and when i anytime i go to do improv when whenever i'm performing i still think back to what i learned from him which mm. is that your job as an improviser on stage is to make your scene partner look good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah hmm. i think that's that's i mean that is you know it's the, it's the whole uh you know, when do you enter the when do you enter the scene, when the scene needs it, not when you think it, not when you think it'll make you look funny, when the scene needs it, and it's it's hard I think for people at first to know that to to feel when when the scene needs you to come in. Yeah, it must, they, be, it must be a hard part of the of the 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 improv uh, learning. Yes, I I think so. I think mm-hmm. that's a part of the curve. Is yeah. oh, because I think a lot of people go in. With that mindset of, my job is to make people laugh and be funny and make the scene good. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, oh, my job is actually to make the other person look good, which does shift the focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Back to Hamilton Fringe. Yes. Um, (laughs) So this this show, this this femme fatale role that you're you're playing in that, the, uh, uh, the film noir fringe festival femme fatale, um... I mean, obviously, there's like, what does she want in this particular show? To expand her power? Does she, what does she want? She definitely wants to expand her power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that in doing so, it will make her feel Mm -hmm. like she's worthy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So you feel like she's filling a void? With 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 what she's doing, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. uh, she's got a distant husband who isn't there, mm-hmm. so this is a way for her to feel fulfilled mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by you know getting involved in all of these business projects and yeah. and gaining more and more uh, control of the club, more mm-hmm. and more. Uh, Owning more and more of the club, mm-hmm. and I mean, and having more and more connections around the city. Yes, 
Now, does she appear in the small town with the 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 diner? I don't know. I don't know. Of course, of course, because we're not we're not saying it. it the <laughs> the the re- the rehearsal process for a show that has two distinct locations is that. Um, what's what does the rehearsal process for this look like? Are you all there for all the rehearsals at this point, or are you only there when you need to be? Like, what what's talk about the rehearsals? Yeah, yeah. I'm in awe of our stage manager Heather Lacey, mm-hmm. um, who is really keeping a handle on everything and mm-hmm. saying, okay, so on this night mm-hmm. we need these people from this time to this mm-hmm. time, and mm-hmm. then we need this person. From this time, because we're going to be working on these things. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. were a few rehearsals when it was all of us. Yes, yeah. Where we read through more than once. And one of the things that I love about working with Paul is mm-hmm. he's always open to what what's working in the script. Mm-hmm. And if there are things that aren't working or things that you want to add, yeah. if you have an idea that you think will make this funnier mm-hmm. or more fun for the yeah. audience, let's add that in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... You have that creative license, and you you're allowed to comment in those early stages on not just yourself, mm-hmm. but it's like, what about if Pete said this, mm-hmm. or I had a thought about yeah. you know somebody else's character. Mm-hmm. So that way, you get all of these brains, yeah, playing in the same sandbox, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is incredible. Yeah. It's nice to be part of that kind of creative process. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's fun. To, it, it's that's, I think, one of the, the advantages to Fringe is that you, a lot of times, you have a bit more freedom in, in a rehearsal hall than you do in some other shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's one scene that I would say my dialogue has changed almost entirely mm. from what was on the page mm. as we were playing around in rehearsal. Yeah. Other things came out mm. that made it more interesting. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, well, do you guys know your, do you know your venue? Yes, we do know our venue. It is the Westdale. Does that sound like a real that theater? It sounds like a real theater. It yeah. is a real theater because it's a real theater. Oh, because there was the, yeah, that's new this year, isn't it? We're pointing at each <laughs> yes, other. I, I was about to say, Paul and I are pointing at each other. Because that's, that's new this season, isn't it? Is it? I don't know I if it's so. new this season, but it looks fantastic. It's so perfect mm-hmm. for a film noir style play yeah. to be playing in a movie theater. Yes, yeah. That has been converted into a theater. Yeah. It's perfect. And it looks like it's from the era. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I think I read that this was new. Either uh, new this year or new last year. Yeah. Um as a as a venue and, and recently refurbished, I think. I think it was closed for, for a long time. It looks gorgeous. Nice. Yeah. 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 yeah we're very that's excited super excited. I I bet. That's excited for exciting for, for you guys as well for to do the show in a like such a such a great venue. And it's not a musical mm-hmm. and there is music in it. Mm. And we have a piano player mm-hmm. who will be underscoring or mm. scoring at different okay. points wow. which is just I heard him at, at rehearsal the other mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. it was like oh wow that's so great yes yeah um, nice. and the the last show that I did uh that was film noir ask in a mm-hmm. fringe we also had live musicians on stage mm. and it just adds an extra element yeah that kicks the whole production up a notch Absolutely. we have a huge cast yeah. too I mean, the difference between having live music and recorded music, when, when I was working the early days of Keystone Theatre, we wondered if we would just have to, if we would we use existing music, would we use, find somebody and have them record it? And then we had the brilliant David Atkinson come in and he played 
along with us and he was like willing to come to rehearsal and like be part of the company and, and play along with us and it suddenly everything came alive in a way that it hadn't been we were just using recorded music so having having the musician there just adds so much to to the scene absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i agree um favorite part about uh, doing fringe festivals favorite part about doing fringe festivals would be the camaraderie mm. mm-hmm. the you know the going up to the fringe tent mm-hmm. afterwards yeah. and and running into the other 17 people you know mm-hmm. there that night yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's exciting mm-hmm. yeah it absolutely absolutely it's a, it's a great part of it's a great part of any fringe that part um uh, do you find is there is there anything else that that aside from like the camaraderie is there is there is the work more exciting is it like what is it that that about the the shows that you've done at the fringe that have been particularly interesting to you I think in fringe I almost always get cast in comedy mm. and I love doing comedy mm-hmm. so I get to play in that world mm-hmm. whereas in other things I seem to get cast like on screen I mm-hmm. seem to get cast in drama mm. That can be quite heavy. Yes. Yeah. And so I enjoy getting to play in the world of, of comedy and making people laugh. Yeah. So it's a lot more, a lot more fun. Yeah. I realize I've said the word fun about 67 times in this podcast. That's fun. There's nothing wrong because, you know, the fun is, this is the fun podcast. Yes. Yeah. And if people wanted to make it a drinking game, they could. They could. Absolutely. If you want to go back and listen to it and take a shot every time (laughs) Laura says fun. Or a sip. I mean, a shot, you will probably be dead by the end of the In terms of, in terms of like when you, when you do the Hamilton Fringe, do you drive in every day or do you try to, try to stay out there? Do you? Uh, not stay, no. Yeah. Um, we will figure out yeah. carpooling and yeah. things like that. Mm. So we're we're gonna work on that. It all it all depends on which production. Yeah. yeah, it has varied. I I don't like to drive all the time because I find it can be very tiring mm-hmm. and then sap the energy that you need for the show. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I know that one person in our cast and crew has a van that seats quite a few of us mm-hmm. but because we have a large cast it won't seat all of us no of course yeah um but we should be able to get most of us mm-hmm. there in a couple of different ways so. when the when i was heading out to the fringe to do the commandment there the first time um uh we were driving up the day before because they have a big to do at, mm. the, at the theater there yes and they uh you know people do excerpts from the shows and things like that mm-hmm. it's People uh, sometimes will say, will use that to, you know, decide, like, is this, what do I want to see? What's interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I left with, with Richard Bone, the director. We left yes. downtown at two o'clock in the afternoon and we got there at seven. That was me doing a spit take. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, the, no, the, I picked the wrong time to take a sip of I, water. I apologize. Because I did the math, yeah. and I'm like, that's five hours. It took five hours. Holy Traffic, construction, cats. that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it was ridiculous. <gasps> that's awful. It was ridiculous. That, that stretch, can, depending on construction of things, can be, can be really brutal. So. Well, I remember there was once in the other mm-hmm. Hamilton fringe show I was in, 
by Kelly Zemeckis mm-hmm. called Prince Charming Missing Person. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one day when the traffic was so bad that we were worried we were going to be late for, for the our show. show. Yeah, absolutely. Which is you absolutely. Know, a very real yeah. worry. So, yeah, you really do have to build in enough, like, more than enough. Absolutely. A ridiculous It does have to be a ridiculous amount, amount of time, like... Like Just worst case, case worst case scenario. Yeah. What? How early do we have to leave? Which yeah. is a tough one. So, yeah. so if I'm hearing you correctly, we should always leave six hours before the show. I don't know. You should always <laughs> see what construction is going on. Check your Googles. Check your Googles and <laughs> Google see maps. your Google Maps Google and see maps. what's see what's uh, what's happening because, I mean, I know like there were people who were driving in every day before their show, but yeah, I after that I was like glad I was staying. Oh, you stayed. I stayed. Oh, okay. I stayed. I, I sort of felt like if I was going to do the fringe, I wanted to. I wanted, and it was just me, so I could. Hmm. You know, like I wanted to be part of 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 that fringe festival and 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 sort of like invest myself in it. You're giving me pause for thought because mm. I know I know someone in St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. That's not far, right? No, it's not. So I wonder if maybe. There might be a night there. Yeah. Because I know there's a stretch where we have three shows in a row. Like, I think the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mm-hmm. we're on, mm-hmm. although don't quote me. But I know that there's, like, yeah. a point where we have a bunch of shows in a row. Mm-hmm. And that might be nice. Yeah. Um, so. It's also good because Hamilton likes to see people there. Like, yeah. They, wanna, they like to see the people who are doing the show around. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I do always try to catch, I know some other people with shows mm-hmm. uh, this year. So, you know, you want to make sure you catch those shows. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. You're in Toronto Fringe. Though. I'm in Toronto Fringe, but yeah. yeah. But it's still like, it's it's very much a, you know, it is great. Like, it, I feel like if you're going to do the Fringe, like, you have to see other people's shows. Oh, yeah. You absolutely do. Absolutely. Um uh, because that's part of the camaraderie. You don't want to be like, you don't want to go to the French tent and be like, oh, well, we didn't see your show because uh, I got to drive. You know, I'm not gonna not interested yeah. in seeing your show, but please come and see my show. That's yeah, terrible. That is terrible, terrible way to to, to do a fringe. You not know? good yeah. theater no. etiquette. No. Not no. good fringe etiquette. Absolutely not. Poor. Absolutely not. Poor fringe etiquette. Very poor. Very poor. Indeed. Yes. Um, what are you looking forward to about this show? I am looking forward to seeing it all come together. Mm. Um, we're going to have some really fun costumes. Okay. Rachel Ford is doing our costumes. Mm-hmm. She did our costumes for the state of New York versus Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been dressed by Rachel before, and that was actually how we met. Because mm-hmm. She dressed me as a murder victim on a TV show years ago, mm-hmm. and we have remained friends. And she's fantastic with costumes, so she mm-hmm. brought in some of the sketches. So I think the show is going to look great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really going to be carried by the costumes to set the period. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep it very simple. Yeah. Uh, and just create what's happening out of thin air. Nice. Hmm. But just to see how it all comes together. It's a 90-minute show. I should mm-hmm. mention that. It's oh, a 90-minute wow. okay. show. Mm. So I can't wait to see how the story plays out mm. and to hear how the audience receives it. and. Yeah. I think it will really vary on different nights what things get laughs because mm-hmm. there's a real mixture of types and styles of humor in there. Sure. There's yeah. a lot of playfulness. There's a lot of taking pot shots at the 
playwright, mm -hmm. then, you know, that breaking the fourth wall kind mm -hmm. of thing. Then there's, like, that clever sort of film noir-esque banter. Yeah. And I, there'll be some, I think, physical pieces mm -hmm. to it because of our director. Um, so the, it's, I think it'll be really interesting to see every night what's going to happen tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think you can say of any play. But. Yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it sounds like there's more, a little bit more so here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Because I think I will just from now on see it in bits and pieces in rehearsal mm -hmm. because there are so many bits and yes. pieces to put together Yeah. that when we finally get to put them all together and, and see how it plays out. Yeah. Well, that'll be, that'll be like, do you know when you, your first chance to see it all together is going to be? No, <laughs> no, we're cut. We're rehearsing and getting our like. We know that Tuesdays and Fridays are rehearsal nights, so mm -hmm. kind of keep them open. And then we're getting the rehearsal schedule mm. a couple weeks in advance. Okay. So I think we've got most of May laid out. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, not yet. Yeah. So I think it's how much will we get done right? and then see how that comes together mm -hmm. and what needs to happen next. Cool. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Laura, thank you fun. so much. This has been fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> has it been fun? It's been fun. It has been this fun. This has been fun. This has been a Homebody Productions production.